Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. This is a 720 to go podcast from Chicago's WGN Radio 720. This podcast is sponsored by ADM. As one of the world's largest agricultural processors, ADM is uniquely positioned to serve the world's growing needs for abundant food and renewable energy. ADM. When it comes to the business of America's farmland, you need the information from the people who know it best. That's why we bring you AgriCast with Orion Samuelson and Max Armstrong. And good morning to you, Roger. Good morning, world, as we come your way with our regular weekly event to visit about what I call the world's most important industry, food production. So we'll talk agriculture and everything that goes along with it, including all the China-U.S. trade rumors that continue to swirl around not only the agricultural community, but Wall Street as well. To give you an idea of what we have to deal with these days on headlines and stories involved in the China-U.S. situation, late yesterday, two headlines came in on my Reuters computer. Headline number one, China has agreed to buy up to $1.2 trillion in U.S. goods. That's the headline. No story other than they said they would do it. And then the second headline, U.S. and China discussing a late March summit between President Trump and President Xi of China at Mara Lago in Florida. And so now the talk is that March 1st deadline will be extended. That's the deadline that said we had to have an agreement in place to uh, keep another edition of uh, tariffs on goods from China. And uh, and the feeling now is, because President Trump has said, yeah, he's thinking about extension, that uh, they may extend it until that meeting in Florida. If it takes place, that's the headline that we got yesterday afternoon. So that's one of the situations where we will wait and see. The other item that uh, on trade that I talked about this week, and it's still in the news, We not only are involved in trade negotiations with China, but we're involved in trade negotiations with the European Union, where we have some differences, particularly on technology. European Union not accepting some of our goods because of the technology we're using to produce them. So now the latest headline on that one, and I don't understand this one at all. Well, I guess politically I should, but uh, the story, France opposes including agricultural products in any trade deal between the United States and the European Union. A spokesman for the office of the French president said, and I quote, the president has said it already. France is opposed to signing any European Union-U.S. trade deal that would include agricultural products. It's an absolute red line for France. 
And so uh, how can you do a trade deal between the uh, Europeans and the United States without talking agriculture? Don't understand. But those are some of the topics we will talk about this morning. But uh, maybe one of the more important topics, and you've heard him here on uh, WGN Radio for years, I think. It seems like that. Uh, Bill Geiger is uh, going to sit down with us to talk about retirement planning for farmers. As I said earlier, a lot of farmers never retire, but uh, they maybe are beginning to think about what happens when I stop growing corn or wheat, feeding hogs, or milking cows. Well, we'll talk about that. As a matter of fact, that comes up in just a couple of minutes when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. Hi, it's Orion Samuelson here with Bill Geiger of Geiger Wealth. Bill, great to see you. Great to be with you, Orion. I know your firm specializes in working with couples in their late 50s to early 60s. So why is this stage of their life so important? How is it different? Orion, it's extremely different. If you're in your late 50s to early 60s, you don't want your portfolio to look like a 30-year-old's. If you're in your late 50s to early 60s, you don't have 30 years to recover. As a matter of fact, if you're like most of our clients, you probably have more money right now in your portfolio than you ever have before. And the last thing that you want is to have a big loss. So it's different from when you're in your 30s and your 40s. That's your accumulation stage. Our one job is to work with clients who are approaching retirement and help them to reshape their portfolio so they can do two things, Orion. Number one is we want to make sure that they do not have big losses at this stage of their life. And number two, we want to help them create dependable, sustainable income that they're going to need for the next 30 years to be able to pay their bills. Bill, when you talk about the term portfolio, is this a mix of stocks and bonds and other investments? That's primarily what we're talking about, Orion. Not real estate, but actual portfolio assets. And do you guide people on what will best fit into their plan? Uh, we do, Orion. We we kind of serve two different um ways of helping our clients. The first is we help them put together a plan for their retirement. We help them shape what their portfolio kind of, sort of should look like getting close to retirement. And once we do that, then we help them implement that plan. We'll help them create the dependable, sustainable income. We'll help them create conservative growth where they're not going to have big losses. But did I hear correctly that you do not recommend real estate as part of that portfolio? Orion, real estate can be phenomenal, especially for farm families. That is not in our expertise. Uh, We focus more on financial portfolio assets. And how early, really, we're talking late 50s and early 60s, but how early really should people get involved in doing this planning? Orion, I'd say probably 55. You're five to 10 years out from retirement. That's a really nice time frame to work with because it gives you time to put some of these strategies in place. It gets you time to create the dependable, 
sustainable income, you're going to need to be able to pay your bills in retirement. You know, when folks stop working and they stop getting a paycheck, they still have bills to pay every month. They still need dependable, sustainable income coming in. And the sooner they start working on that, the more powerful an income stream we can create for them. So what's the biggest challenge you find in the minds of the people that you're dealing with? Well, most of the time when folks come into our office, they've done a pretty good job at accumulating assets, but they're not really sure whether they're doing everything that they should be doing or everything they could be doing to get themselves ready. And and Orion, right now, with everything that's going on in the financial markets and the volatility that we've been having... uh, October was the most volatile month in, I think, 118 years in the stock market. And it's putting people on edge, and they're not quite sure what they should be doing going forward. So there's some fear involved, but most of all, it's just a feeling of, show me a path. I need a roadmap. I need a, a game plan for approaching retirement. Well, this may be poor thinking on my part, but with the volatility we've seen on Wall Street so far this year, I have made it a rule. I look at my portfolio twice a year. I don't look at it every day. Is that good or bad? <laughs> that kind of depends on how much money you have, Warren. <laughs> if you got a whole bucket load of it, you don't have to look at it at all. But but for most of our folks, five hundred thousand up to maybe two three million dollars. Uh, and they're getting close to retirement, and they've got to create income out of that. If you've got a million-dollar portfolio, and it turns into a $500,000 portfolio, mm-hmm. you your retirement plans just went out the window. You're either going to have to work longer, or you're going to have to live a lot smaller in retirement. So in these days, you're getting that close to retirement. I, I'd suggest taking a good hard look at it, and the the sooner the better. And once they look at it, and once they get over the fear of what's happened when you've got these sharp declines happening in just one day, what kind of advice can you give them at that point to uh, get them out of this scary situation? Orion, there's three big challenges that folks face as they go into retirement. The, The first one is, for most folks, Social Security is not enough to pay their bills and live life the way that they'd like to. So the first challenge that we work on with folks is making sure that they've got enough income, additional income, to stack on top their Social Security so that they can live a comfortable life. The second big challenge that they face is is 20, 25, maybe 30 years of inflation. How do you keep up with inflation for that long a time period? So that's something we help them work on. And finally, the third big challenge is running out of money. And, Orion, this is is kind of ironic. It doesn't matter how much money people have in general. uh, That fear is kind of in the back of everybody's mind. And, And how you go after the first challenge, getting enough income, how you go after the second challenge, staying up with inflation, can have a very large effect on whether or not you meet that third challenge and basically not running out of money. And if you're better at looking into the future than I am, you don't know how long you're going to live and how long that money is going to have to last. No, and with the advances in medical science, uh, we can probably count on living longer than our parents. 
by the time that time comes around, and especially if you've got longevity in your family. And, and Oriana, i got to tell you, I see more and more and more people who have got parents that are in their 90s and even once in a while in the hundreds. And, you know, <laughs> that's a long time. That's a long time for your money to last you. Long time to go without a paycheck. <laughs> you know, I, I, I said that with Steve Cochran four years ago, Orion, right. and I, I said to him that retirement in a, in a lot of ways is like 30 years of unemployment. Yes. And he scooted his chair back, <laughs> I swear, about a foot. And and he go, and he's remembered that to this day. And if you think about it, what's unemployment? It's not getting a paycheck, right? Right. So retirement is, in a way, like 20, 25, 30 years of unemployment. And when you think about it like that, it, it kind of gets a little more serious. Well, I think I better start talking to you, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> it may be that time, Orion. You never know. You never know. Of course, I'm only 84, and I'm Norwegian, so I have a... You're going to be around a, forever. Yeah, I'm going to be around forever. And, Amen. Uh, Orion, since we're talking about this right now, I'd like to do something special for our listeners today. Folks, my team and I are going to custom build a full-blown retirement income plan, complimentary... For the next five callers with $500,000 or more, save for retirement. At Geiger Wealth, they have one job, and that's to help you get ready for retirement. And Bill is doing that today with a complimentary retirement income plan. Call Geiger Wealth now at 800-681-2498. That's 800-681-2498. 2498 and make this the year you have a written plan for retirement. 800 681 2498. Geiger Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor, insurance offered through DeBlanco Inc. 26 minutes after 5 o'clock on this Saturday morning, 35 degrees on my thermometer here in Huntley, Illinois. Before we break for news, I want to share with you a press release I've received this week from the Kane County Farm Bureau. Interesting project that they have going. Public is invited to watch the uh, state senator from the 33rd District, Donald DeWitt, and the state representative from the 70th District, Jeff Keicher, in a morning race to collect food to restock the shelves of two area food pantries. The Kane County Farm Bureau's 18th annual shopping spree will be held at the Batavia Jewel Osco at Randall Road and Main Street Monday, that's this coming Monday, February 25th, and the shopping begins at about 10.30 on Monday morning. The local food pantries that these public officials have chosen to represent are the Tri-Cities Salvation Army, St. Charles, and the Hinckley Area Food Pantry. All of the groceries collected during the five-minute shopping spree will be purchased and paid for by the Kane County Farm Bureau and then donated to those pantries. The event will also call attention to the 10,000-gallon challenge, an effort by the Farm Bureau's not-for-profit foundation to build community support for donating 10,000 gallons of milk and dairy products to local food pantries. 
As the area's largest agricultural organization, the Farm Bureau sponsors the shopping spree each year to call attention to the abundance of fresh and nutritious food at affordable prices. At less than 10% of disposable income, American household spending on food is less than any other country and cause for celebration. But the shopping spree recognizes that while food is affordable for most people, it is a necessity for everyone, and some are less fortunate. So the shopping spree, like the Farm Bureau Foundation's Harvest for All, Million Meal Challenge, and the current 10,000-gallon challenge campaigns, is encouraging local support of hunger and relief agencies and neighbors in change. If you want more information, the phone number for the Kane County Farm Bureau, 630-584-8660. Again, that's Kane County Farm Bureau at 630-584-8660. The event takes place about 10 o'clock on Monday morning. That's this next Monday, so make note of that. Saturday morning show here on WGN Radio, Chicago's very own, and uh, we're going to take a break for some news headlines and be right back. Stay with us. Thank you, Roger. It's 25 minutes before 6 o'clock here on this Saturday morning. Still to come, we'll discuss agricultural markets with Jim McCormick. And right now, we say welcome to Samuelson Says. I'm Orion, and if you think and thought that crop insurance was a done deal, better think again. Are you confident that you're doing everything that you can, everything that you should be doing to prepare for retirement? Bill Geiger and his team at Geiger Wealth can help you answer those questions. They have a special opportunity for you today. They're going to sit down with you personally to create a full-blown plan for your retirement. Now, this is up to a $3,000 value, but complimentary for the first five callers who have at least $500,000 saved for retirement. Here's the number, 800-681-2498. That's 800-681-2498. At this stage of your life, you probably have more money than you've ever had before, and the last thing you need now is a big loss. Well, together with you, Bill and his team are going to translate the complex financial planning process into easy-to-understand steps with a personalized, full-blown retirement plan designed to help you to retire with confidence. Call Geiger Wealth right now for your complimentary, personalized, full-blown retirement plan. 800-681-2498. That's 800-681-2498. Geiger Wealth is a registered investment advisor. Well, with the uh, congressional passage of the Farm Bill, and the signing by President Trump late last year, 
You probably thought crop insurance was safe for the next five years, but that's not necessarily the case. Now, the money needed to fund the crop insurance program has to go through the budgeting process in Congress for final approval. And due to the concern of a lot of people in agriculture, and I will say this, during the writing of the Farm Bill, I didn't hear any negative comment from farmers or ranchers about the crop insurance program, only positive comments. And the question I would get by email and phone conversations, is crop insurance safe in the new Farm Bill? Well, it's safe from the standpoint of the Farm Bill, but now Congress has to approve the money to pay for all of the items in the Farm Bill, including crop insurance. And that's why this past week, 60 organizations, ranging from farm groups to conservation organizations and lenders, sent a letter to the House and Senate Budget Committees, as well as to Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue, urging them not to mess with the dollar amount of crop insurance funding included in the Farm Bill. The importance of crop insurance has been reaffirmed many times during his existence. No longer do farmers and ranchers have to go to Congress to request a funding bill every time there is a natural disaster affecting crop and livestock producers. Farmers have investment in the insurance and more certainty in their long-range planning. And that's why last year, a record 334 million acres of cropland in the United States were covered with crop insurance. Supporters concluded the letter by saying, Cuts to crop insurance during these difficult times for rural America should be avoided. Farmers and lawmakers agree that crop insurance is a linchpin of the farm safety net, and it's crucial to the economic and food security of rural America. Now I will add my suggestion to the committees. Don't mess with the crop insurance budget. My thoughts on Samuelson Says, a presentation of Tribune Radio Networks. And 20 minutes before 6 o'clock, we're set to talk markets. Uh, Max Armstrong uh, sat down with uh, Jim McCormick to do just that, and uh, we'll get to that conversation when we continue on the Saturday morning show. Joining us in the studio to talk about markets this weekend, Jim McCormick from agmarket.net. Good to see you here again, sir. Thank you for having me on. And agmarket.net is a division of another firm. It is a division of John Stewart and Associates is who we are a division. They are a commercial grain division company, IB, pretty much, and they wanted to start a new ag division for farmers. And uh, we're, we're part of that group. It's me, Brian Split, Bill Biederman, and Matt Bennett. You've been in this business a while yourself, haven't you? Uh, this will be my 24th year in this business. Let's talk about uh, <laughs> times like you've never seen before, I guess, uh, for most of us who've followed the market world for quite some time there's never been anything quite like this i would agree with that 100 percent. i mean we are definitely in some interesting times um with the politics the trade tariffs going on um it's just been it's been a tough year for a lot of producers it's been a tough year for just the industries as a whole i think right now because these trade tariffs have put everybody into a little bit of a pause mode and uh 
Got a lot of people questioning what's going to happen next, Max. Even if there's good news or what is immediately perceived as good news, it's going to be tough to sustain much of a rally on the back of that, isn't it? Well, I I actually think there's a little bit too dynamics. I think the bean market's going to be very tough to struggle, plain and simple. We, With us missing this business the last year, it's lost business, in my opinion. Um, We did ship some grain to Argentina, but our ending stocks have ballooned to a little over 900 900 million bushels. Um, even planting three or four million less acres of beans, we're still going to have an abundant supply of beans. It, the, you know, a good crop could push it over a billion bushel carryout. So beans are going to struggle. Rallies and beans are probably going to need to be taken uh, aggressively sold, plain and simple. On the other hand, though, corn is a little bit, little bit different situation. The projected corn carryout right now is about a billion seven hundred thirty-five million. That's actually six hundred million less bushels than what it was a year ago at this time. So you look at where we're at right now. That kind of carry-in, if we only plant two and a half to three million more acres of corn, which is kind of what the USDA is thinking, which is what the trade's thinking, Max, if we have just a trend yield with two to three million more acres of corn, we're barely going to consume, produce what we consume year in, year out. So there's very, very little margin for air. So if we have too wet of a spring, too cold of a spring, I think you could see people try to put some weather premium in the market. The other wild card is China. When we talk about China in these trade talks, China has always bought U.S. beans when they went into this tariff battle, they quit buying our beans. When they come back in, we solve this trade tariff, hopefully very soon, they're just going to come back into the market that we were expecting just a year ago. Corn, on the other hand, they haven't bought a lot of corn for us for years now. And they've been blocking distillers' grains for years now. So they're talking buying three, five, eight million metric tons of corn. Well, if they buy three to five million metric tons of corn, you're talking a drop in the carryout, 100 to 200 million more bushels. So instantaneously, the moment that China buys corn, our carryout will go from 1735 to possibly 1535, if not lower. And that could be a game changer, especially with a wet spring. The president even tweeted about it the other day, did he not? Referencing the fact that uh, China could, uh, and I forget how the president phrased it, but it, it made people think that there could be some significant corn business with China. The insinuation is lots of corn is how he likes to, like, how he phrased it, I believe. But the industry, you've heard a lot of people talking industry, 3 million metric tons, 5 million. The high number I've heard is as much as 8 million metric tons. Now, if they build out their ethanol industry like they say they want to build out over the next couple of years, they will need our corn. And that's very exciting. The other thing that's exciting is they definitely are fighting a smog issue. They've talked about buying ethanol. Now, we know the ethanol industry is really struggling right now. The margins are in the black, are in the red. That would help a lot. If we could open up that market and get them buying ethanol again, that just we've got to feed that market, and that should be bullish of corn as well. Back to soybeans for a moment. The Chinese are talking about growing more of their own. Uh, they, there was some statement from the Chinese Ag Ministry about that this week, that they wanted to not only increase the amount of hectares devoted to soybeans, but to try to find a way to improve the uh, oil and the protein content of those beans too. So that that tends to uh, to lend a little bit of bearishness, I guess, long term to beans if indeed they follow through with that. But that would be hectares that they wouldn't be trying to grow corn on. Well, exactly. They're going to essentially what's going to happen is they're going to looks like they're going to try to diversify away from the corn a little bit, get to a little bit more beans. But the fact of the matter is, with the amount of hogs they produce, I mean, they produce 750 million head of hog hogs a year. Now, it's down a little bit this year due to the African swine flu, but as a whole, they are a massive producer of hogs. You take the amount of hogs you have in the United States, the next 49 countries combined, including us, and that's the amount of hogs they produce in China, to put it in perspective. So they need a lot of protein to feed the, 
to feed those hogs. They will bump up their demand, their domestic production a little bit, but in the big scheme, they're still going to be a big importer of beans from both and South America. So what are you telling your uh, farmer customers, given the fact that there is that potential out there for some very friendly news relative to corn? Well, right now, what we're telling our customers right now is now now's the time to be prepared because it's going to be emotional and it's probably going to be short-lived. That's the history of the markets nowadays. I mean, like you said, it's, I've been doing this for 24 years, and it seems like when we get news, it happens instantaneously. The market prices it in within minutes. So we're telling customers, you know, be prepared. Margins are tight this year. There's no doubt about it, Max. I'm sure you've talked to a lot of producers across the country that we know times are a little bit tight. We get this opportunity to rally corn, which I think there's a decent shot. We've got that opportunity down the line. We want producers to think, hey, how do I market this grain? How do I protect profits? How do I make sure I'm making sound business decisions going into the spring and summer? And for heaven's sake, don't just assume that that price is going to continue climbing. All we have to do is remember the end of May last year. Well, that's it. I mean, things can change quite quite dramatically. There is no doubt about it. We're in a new time frame for world politics and all that. There's a lot of positives out there. Um, but they could it could derail. I mean, the fact of the matter is... NAFTA has been signed, but has not been ratified by the by the countries. That could still fall apart. Um, we are trying to negotiate with Japan. We're trying to negotiate with the European Union right now on these bilateral or unilateral trade deals. But they could fall apart. So you, you don't want to – when you have that opportunity to lock in profits, we're stressing, hey, take that money, lock it in, and farm for – you know and farm for the long term. A negative on the corn front, though, has to be that second crop in Brazil, correct? I mean, it hasn't the rains and the rain situation improved there, but the prospect of better corn yields and that sarfrenia crop? Yes. Yeah. The, the fact of the matter is there is plenty of grain in the world that will cap the rallies. I mean, when I say rallies, I'm talking 20, 30, 40 cents. I'm not talking dollar move because there is plenty of grain in the world. Heck, there's plenty of wheat in the world right now. Um, so we're, that will cap it. But, yes, the South American crop looks a lot better than what it did just a few weeks ago. They've definitely had some million-dollar rains down there. The acreage shift that everybody keeps focusing on, and you were talking about the possibility of maybe 2 to 3 million more acres of corn. I talked to a lot of growers, especially across the heart of the corn belt, who say, hey, you know, we're, we're probably not going to mess with it much. Uh, they like that 50-50 balance. One farmer in southeast Indiana told me that just the other day as we sat in his shop, that he's probably not going to change that much. Are you hearing that, too, from many of your customers? Yes, I believe for the most part, guys getting in this rotation, they have found trying to chase that next year's, you know, you know, the high price it doesn't last. And lots of times they don't get it sold anyway, so the shift just kind of screws it all up. So I think most are going to stay in it. That's why we're talking two to three million acres. A lot of that might have to do with rotation. I think a lot of that acres is probably going to come out of the north. I mean, the fact of the matter is that's the area. It's the Dakotas is the area that got hit the hardest by the China trade war because those beans that are produced in that part of the country are pretty much shipped west to go out to Pacific Northwest ports. They're the ones that just got absolutely clobbered by the bean basis. They've got beans sitting everywhere unless China starts taking their beans. So I think they're kind of shifting a little bit more back to corn. Just on the fear, do I really want to essentially be sitting on two bean crops, counting on maybe or maybe not China's going to cut a deal with the U.S.? Jim, it's always been good to visit with you. And now as you have a, a new business on your business card, refresh our memory. Tell us again. Uh, I'm Like I said, our new business is agmarket.net. We are the farm division of John Stewart and Associates. And they can find you at agmarket.net, I trust. You can find us on our webpage at agmarket.net. Jim McCormick, thank you. Good to see you again. Thank you again for having me, Max. And now is six minutes before six o'clock here on WGN Radio Chicago. 
And as we approach planting season, and yes, it probably doesn't look like it now, but it will get here eventually. Although our TV meteorologist Greg Solier uh, told us this week on our television show that we're going to have this up and down wintry weather, spring weather sort of thing probably till mid or late April and uh, could be a wet planting season as well. But the meeting season is slowing down. We had the USDA Agricultural Outlook Forum in Washington, D.C. this week. And coming up uh, next week, we'll have the Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. And then things begin to slack off on the meeting front that is getting busier every winter, it seems, here in the Midwest. At the Outlook Forum this week in Washington, The U.S. Department of Agriculture said it has paid out $7.7 billion so far to help farmers who were hurt by retaliatory tariffs imposed by China. The Trump administration, you'll recall, has pledged up to $12 billion in aid to help offset losses for crops hit by the Chinese tariffs, and uh, that has now been paid out $7.7 billion. According to Bill Northey, the former Iowa Director of Agriculture, now Under Secretary for Farm Production and Conservation at USDA, said $7.7 billion has gone into farmers' bank accounts now to make up for the losses uh, that have happened because of the uh, trade situation between China and the United States. And the department has repeatedly said it will not have an aid package for this year, 2019. And Secretary of Agriculture Purdue said at the Outlook Forum on Thursday that farmers this year will do their planning for the year based on the market conditions. And as we look at uh, how we closed off the week on Friday in the uh, agricultural trade, let's uh, first of all take a look at the grain market because that uh, did have, uh, again, still reaction to what's happening in the China trade talks. Uh, Traders still waiting for signs that we're getting closer to an agreement and After the close of trading, Secretary Purdue said on Twitter that China, in a meeting at the White House, committed to buy an additional 10 million metric tons of U.S. soybeans. But uh, again, that's going to be a wait-and-see situation. The Department of Agriculture at the forum said it expected the value of U.S. farm exports to drop by $1.9 $1.9 billion to $141.5 billion in fiscal 2019 uh, compared to 2018. And, of course, the reason for that is the steep decline in shipments to China of U.S. soybeans. So we ended the day and the week with the uh, March soybean contract down a penny. It closed yesterday at $9.10 a bushel. March corn down a quarter of a cent yesterday, ending the week at 3.75 and a quarter. 
and March wheat down a penny and a half a bushel yesterday, ending the week at $4.85 a bushel. Turning to livestock trade, cattle futures hit a one-year high yesterday on concerns that the cold, snowy weather this coming week may tighten supplies by slowing the weight gain and the transportation of livestock. So that was of uh, concern, and that's why we did see the cattle futures market ending a little bit higher yesterday. February live cattle up 92 cents a hundredweight at $128.55. But March feeder cattle ended the day down 25 cents at $142.97 a hundredweight. And in the lean hog contract trade, uh, the nearby May lean hog contract down 35 cents, closing the week at $65.45 a hundredweight. And the rest of the months in the lean hog contract ended the day higher. Well, we're not totally out of the farm meeting schedule for the winter season. The National uh, Farm Machinery Show in Louisville will wind up tonight. The finals of the tractor uh, pulling competition, and that's a big event at the National Farm Machinery Show. That takes place tonight, and that will ring down the curtain on the National Farm Machinery Show. And then as we look ahead to next week, starting on February 28th, Commodity Classic in Orlando, Florida. Max Armstrong will be there, and we'll be reporting on activity at that huge farmer meeting. Well, that's our time here on the Saturday Morning Show. As always, we thank you for joining us here on WGN Radio, and I thank Brett Jackson for handling the engineering chores on this program. And right now we say so long to you. The Steve Cochran Show celebrates the most valuable person on the planet weekday mornings at 720 on 720 WGN Chicago. Orion Samuelson keeps you connected to the world of business and agriculture on WGN. Hear his reports weekday mornings on the Steve Cochran Show and during the noon hour on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Plus, catch Orion and Max on Saturday mornings at 5 a.m. only on Chicago's WGN Radio 720.